This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore stocks opened the week muted on Monday, September the 26th, amid a global sell-off as the rising risk of a recession due to interest rate hikes loomed. Singapore Straits Times Index headed down 0.3% to 3,219 shortly after opening. A key driver of the day was Singapore's factory output data from the Singapore Economic Development Board, which showed expansion by half a percent on the year in August, down from a revised 0.8% growth in July. The month's figures, while an 11-month low, outperformed median estimates of a Bloomberg poll of private sector economists, but expected a 0.7% contraction. Stocks opened weaker in Singapore on Tuesday, following overnight losses on Wall Street as major global indices plunged to new lows, although regional markets opened high on bargain hunting. The STI headed down 0.3% to just under 3,174 points and closed the day shedding half a percent to settle at 3,165 points. At the midweek, the STI headed down 0.3% to 3,155 points at the open after a mixed performance on Wall Street. Extending Tuesday's losses, European stocks opened sharply lower on Wednesday as well, as investors fretted over intensifying recession fears, heightened geopolitical concerns over Russia and festering worries over Britain's tax-slashing budget. And Singapore shares declined with other regional markets on Thursday, September 29, with the STI shedding 0.04% or 1.23 points to close at 3,115 points. It's Friday, the 30th of September. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast correspondent Howie Lim. Today, Singapore shares fell 11% to 3,103 just after the open. And here's Jeff Howie, market strategist at SGX Securities, with his wrap of the week. Volatility is back in the local stock market, with the annualised 10-day volatility of the STI at 14%. This is a level that was last seen in July, with this short-term gauge of recent volatility well up from the comparatively low 5% level seen in early August. This also saw the STI break out of the comparatively narrow, near 100-point trading range that took hold of the STI for all of August and for most of September. And that Thursday low of 31.12 was also last seen in July. The four trading days of interest that have brought the STI to current levels were Friday 23rd of September through to Wednesday 28th of September. And over those four sessions, Net fund outflows totaled 375 million Singapore dollars, with stocks that booked the highest outflows, including OCBC and UOB, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, Singapore Airlines, ST Engineering, Venture, Fraser Logistics and Commercial Trust, Capital Land Ascender Suite, Maple Tree Industrial Trust, and Jade Matheson. So the balance of banks, REITs, industrials and technology stocks did show how the recent wave of selling was relatively broad. On the outlook for higher rates, less growth and a reminder of financial stability risks following the reaction in the pound sterling and UK gilt market to the biggest round of UK tax cuts in 50 years. What might also interest listeners, close to half the Singapore stocks that traded over those four sessions that saw the STI decline 4.5% booked net fund inflows. The 10 stocks that attracted the highest inflows over those four sessions, including DBS, Young Zijiang Financial, Singtel, Suntech REIT, 
Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding, UMS, OUE, Shengxiong, SIA Engineering, and Thai Beverage. Of those 10 stocks, Shengxiong currently maintains the lowest beta coefficient, with a five-year history of being less volatile than the broader Singapore stock market. Despite those net fund inflows, those 10 stocks all declined over the four days, averaging marginally less than the declines of the STI. So those 10 stocks average a decline of 3.6%, and that compares to those 10 stocks that saw the highest net fund outflows, which averaged a 5.6% decline over the four sessions. What may also interest investors is the stocks that were the most comparatively defensive over those four sessions, at least among the contingent of stocks that comprised the 100 most traded Singapore stocks by daily turnover. We saw Emperador, the newest STI constituent, lodge a 2% gain over the four sessions, while Golden Energy and Resources generated a 1.3% gain. Emperador is the Philippines' largest global liquor company, with the secondary listing making its debut on Singapore Exchange on 14 July. Its first day close on 14 July was at 45 cents, and as of late this week, was trading 10% higher at 49.5 cents. And more on the macro mantra that drove the moves this week, previously potential financial stability risks had been more aligned to the potential impact of much faster than expected interest rate increases. However, the sudden depreciation of the pound sterling over the past week came from fiscal rather than monetary policy origins, with the UK government announcing an ambitious fiscal package to take on higher energy costs and mitigate the impact of inflation on growth. In addition to delivering higher productivity and wages and, of course, delivering GDP growth. Theoretically, this helps the Bank of England to continue on with its rate hikes, which have now seen seven consecutive rate hikes with the UK bank rate now at 1.75%. The BOE, in turn, also stepped in on Wednesday evening, offering to support the gilt market and thus see a partial rebound in the pound sterling. Semcorp Industries, which reported 11% of its FY21 revenue to the UK, it declined around 6.5% over the four sessions. This week did also provide a timely reminder that central banks are not the sole economic managers of the country. And across the pond, we saw Treasury Secretary Yellen touting tax credits and other private sector incentives contained in the Inflation Reduction Act. These are policy mechanisms that also help to mitigate the impact of higher inflation on economic growth. Meanwhile, there has been no change in the big backdrop that the Fed Reserve will keep up the mantra that they are committed to see inflation on a path to 2% and won't budge from that hawkish narrative under current market conditions, given the Fed Chair's solid belief that inflation expectations do play a key role in fueling inflation. Closer to home, many eyes are on the renminbi at the moment, with its depreciation to the US dollar on the back of this divergent monetary policy between China and the US, with the negative yield spread between the China government bonds and US treasuries. This means that potential curbs to COVID containments are not the only area of interest to the market. In addition to capital outflows, Two other areas that are currently on the forefront of concerns are the prolonged weakness of the China property sector, in addition to the impact slowing global growth has on China's own growth, which is forecast to come in below 3% this year. 
Yong Junyuan is a journalist from the Business Times News Desk. He has further insight. Over the five days ended Thursday, Asian markets were in the red. The STI shed 4.5%, Japan's Nikkei 225 fell 3.3%, and South Korea's Kospi fell 6.9%, and Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index declined 5.4%. Markets continued to extend losses after Federal Reserve officials maintained their hawkish messaging over interest rate hikes. Notably, Chicago Fed President Charles Evans said on Wednesday that the Fed would need to raise interest rates quickly to address high and persistent inflation. U.S. short-term borrowing costs will likely get to where they need to be by early next year. Most Fed policymakers are accounting for a top Fed policy rate of 45 to 4.75% by the end of next year. Aside from the Fed's moves to raise interest rates, Investors may want to pay some attention to companies with exposure to the UK. On Monday, STI counters, city developments and SEMCOP industries declined 2.5 and 3.1% respectively following the pound's plummet in value to four-decade lows. This came after UK Finance Minister Kwasi Kwarteng dropped historic tax cuts on Friday. Taken together with the government's earlier plans, such as its plans to freeze energy bills to aid households and firms, investors scrambled for the exit as fears mounted over the government's ability to pay its debts. Fears over a potential recession continue to weigh heavily on investors' minds as well. Singapore's factory output expanded by 0.5% in August, down from the 0.8% growth posted in July. Excluding the volatile biomedical cluster, factory output shrank 1.2% compared to a 3.1% gain a month ago, as analysts noted that the electronics sector is clearly losing steam. Anecdotally, they found that tech firms have been bracing for falling demand with cost-cutting and staff layoffs. In addition, DBS analysts said in a report released on Wednesday that odds of a US recession have risen. They added that a probe at about the 3,130 support level for the STI, or 11.2 times 12-month forward price-to-earnings ratio, is possible if investors price in a technical recession scenario. Still, that level would be above the lows last seen in June and July. On Wednesday, Apple continued to dampen investor spirits after it told suppliers to pull back from producing more iPhones. U.S. stock index futures, like contracts on the Nasdaq 100, fell by as much as 1.3% after the news. Market tracker IDC found that the smartphone market is likely to shrink by 6.5% this year to 1.27 billion units. On Thursday, SDI constituent sets plunged by 20.7% to an almost two-year low after it announced that it would acquire air cargo handler worldwide flight services. Analysts remain cautious as the transaction comes amid weak market sentiment in a rising interest rate environment. Investors will be looking for more details on the company's upcoming rights issue, which will be used to fund the acquisition. Still to come, we take a closer look at more news and drivers with Jeff Howie from the SGX and Yong Junyuan from the Business Times News Desk. Learn to protect and grow your wealth with BT Wealth editor Genevieve Kwa in her monthly podcast series, every fourth Monday of the month, with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download.
And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Local manufacturing again came in focus this week. Jeff Howey has more highlights from the Singapore market. The August industrial production report provided an update across the six key clusters of manufacturing, which are diverse fields, much like 100 or so manufacturing-related stocks traded in Singapore. The August report showed Singapore's electronics output declined 8% year-on-year in August, following a 6% year-on-year decline in July. Electronics make up around 40% of Singapore's industrial production, with semiconductors in turn making up close to four-fifths of the electronics output. Semiconductor output has printed year-on-year declines here in Singapore of 7% in August, 4% in July, and 3% in June. Still, for the first eight months of this year, electronics output was up 5%, with semiconductors output up 6%, and Singapore's overall industrial production up 4%. The Global Semiconductor Industry Association, meanwhile, has also reported earlier in September that global semiconductor sales had seen a 2% month-on-month decline in July, following a 2% month-on-month decline in June. Now, that excessive slowing in monthly sales growth has seen July year-on-year sales up 7%, but representing the first single-digit increase for the first time since December 2020. Sequential month-on-month declines, they don't constitute a down cycle, rather that is a job of a sustained year-on-year sales growth decline, but the sales growth is still broadly expected to be positive into 2023 at this stage. While the US CHIPS Act can provide inflections for the major industry players, at the moment the impact of higher inflation and global economic slowdowns, in addition to supply chain constraints, is expected to hinder industry capex, which may or may not create for a more sustained decline in global semiconductor sales. Much of this impact has been priced into markets over the past nine months, with the Philadelphia SOX declining more than 30% in Singapore dollar terms in the year to date. Similarly, technology stocks have also led the net fund outflows of our iEdge Singapore Advanced Manufacturing Index in the 2022 year to date. And for Singapore, the most recent EDB business expectation survey showed that local tech firms are concerned over the continuing supply chain disruptions and a softening in consumer demand from the PC and smartphone markets, even as the cloud, automated and industrial end markets do remain resilient. So inflation, consumer-driven growth and geopolitical pressures continue to provide the week-to-week sentiment drivers within the industry. And the reports are demonstrating yet again that they are backward-looking while markets remain forward-looking. Yet on the other side of the sector performances in the manufacturing index, industrials has been the strongest segment of the index in the year to date, with the net institutional inflows driven by transport engineering. Singapore's 4% industrial production expansion for the first eight months of this year was also led by transport engineering, which expanded 20% year-on-year, with the transport engineering also the strongest cluster for the past two months. Local commercial real estate was also provided with a health check this week. JAL reporting Singapore office rents in the third quarter exceeded the pre-pandemic peak to reach a near 14-year high at $11.00 and six Singapore cents per square foot, with expectations of continued strength next year. To wrap the month, Jeff Howie gives us some highlights of Singapore-specific news. 
SATS have proposed a significant acquisition of Paris-based cargo handler Worldwide Flight Services for $1.6 billion Sing dollars. The acquisition is seen to make SATS become the largest global air cargo handler, enabling SATS to better serve air cargo customers in strategic hubs in Asia, Europe and the US, as well as in the complementary new growth markets including Latin America and Africa. The proposed transaction is expected to be completed by March next year and subject to 50% shareholder approval as well as regulatory approvals. And the funding for the acquisition is to be primarily sourced from a $1.7 billion Sing dollar equity fundraising. And the swift decline in the share price we saw on Thursday was based on the potential dilutive effect of the fundraising. So if the deal was going to be funded by existing cash rather than a fundraising, such as a rights issue, one would assume there would not have been such a significant move to the share price. Southern Alliance Mining has outlined its strategic growth plans with a focus on expansion and diversification after reporting revenue for its FY22 ending 30 July decreased by 54% from 387 million ringgit in FY21 to 179 million ringgit in FY22. The decrease was mainly due to intense overburden removal activities that the char mine underwent during the year, which resulted in lower volume of ore extraction over that FY. Keppel Corp's Keppel New Energy is tying up with Japan's Mitsubishi Heavy Industries and DNV to explore the adoption of an ammonia-fired gas turbine on Jurong Island. Also, Keppel Offshore and Marine's wholly owned subsidiary Keppel Shipyard has also won a tender from Brazil's national oil company Petrobras to undertake the engineering, procurement and construction of a floating production, storage and offloading vessel for about 2.8 billion US dollars. Nanofilm and Shenzhen Everwind Precision Technology are forming a China joint venture to address the coating needs of advanced battery components for electric vehicles. And this joint venture vehicle will be called Apex Tech with initial production targeted to commence in the first half of 2023 in China. MM2 Asia has entered into a bond subscription agreement for a 54 million Sing dollar bond deal that is exchangeable for shares of MM2's cinema business, MM Connect. At Thai Beverage, the Executive Vice President and Deputy Group CFO and the CFO of International Business will take over as Group CFO from the 1st of October with the current CFO stepping down from the role and on September 28, Sabana Industrial REIT substantial shareholder Cross Capital Asia increased its deemed interest above the 13% threshold. The fund management company acquired 110,000 units of Sabana Industrial REIT at 42.5 cents per unit, taking its direct interest from 12.99% to 13%. SGX launched its first lithium and cobalt contracts this week. These futures markets were launched on the back of this global drive towards electrification of the transportation sector. This is where electronic vehicles are a key proponent as this sector is one of the largest GHG emitters. Electronic vehicles or EVs are powered by batteries. So when the demand for electronic vehicles increases, the demand increases to batteries and corresponding components such as cobalt, lithium and nickel. Now, large price movements were seen during the course of the past year, particularly for lithium. So these markets are seen to potentially serve as risk management tools for industry participants to hedge physical exposure. 
And the launch of these markets will also help to provide market participants with a price discovery platform, not to mention add to this virtual car complex, which includes Ferris and rubber benchmarks as well. SGX also launched the CSOP CGS CIMB FTSE Asia Pacific Low Carbon Index ETF with assets under management of $150 million SING dollars, which provide investors with the opportunity to take increased exposure to companies with low carbon characteristics. Looking ahead to the new month, Yong Jinyuan tells us what we should be tracking for the week ahead. Investors will be closely watching the US Personal Consumption Expenditure, or PCE, price index and its impact on Wall Street. On Monday, the Singapore Institute of Purchasing and Materials Management will also post its Purchasing Managers Index, where investors will be looking for further signs of slowdown in demand. The US will post its initial jobless claims next Thursday. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Howie Lin with Jeff Howie, market strategist at SGX Securities, and Yong Jin Yuan, journalist with the Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.